0: Last week we started our series in Joshua. We're talking about courage, um, and I uh, I was courageous with you because I'm a courageous guy. Um, this week uh, we're going to see that uh, the text is pushing us towards a consideration of commitment, which is not a huge thing anymore in the United States of America, Western culture in general. We we dislike commitment. We dislike loyalty. And, and not always for bad reasons. I mean, there's definitely, you know, the story of like the guy who, you know, works slaves away for a company for, you know, 50 years and then they just boot him out, you know, that kind of thing happens. It's not, you know, I don't think it's super common, but that, that sort of thing happens. So the idea that you'd be committed or loyal to an organization kind of, eh. And similarly, I mean, there's been, you know, times where pastors have been like, oh, your husband's beating you. You should stay committed to him because you made a vow. And it's like, ah, whoa, that's a little crazy. Uh, and so we can see that there has been reason to think that commitment is something that we, uh, we, we want to stay away from. But it's still important. It's hugely important. We're going to see it's next to the heart of God today. And it's important for us as a congregation right now because potentially in July, we are going to change the uh, carpet and the paints and the pews and the chairs and we're going if, to, if the past is any indicator, we're going to have to live with our, our choices about what we do for at least 30 years. So I'm probably going to be dead before we do it again. And a lot of you will be too. So this is a big, it's a big thing. So we, we do have uh, we do have some samples over there. Not necessarily the color, but uh, the, the the pew sample on, on the side there and a, and a chair sample. We're talking right now about, um, about keeping the pews here, replacing them with something that Uh, is an aquamarine and then putting um chairs on the sides and maybe here in the front and moving back the stage if that is of interest to you and you have an opinion about that you need to let me know because if you're like i don't some people are like i don't like the dark color i think colleen said that she wanted pecan which i don't know colleen pecan (laughs) i don't even know what that is anyway commitment's a big deal so uh, before we take the step of commitment, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions. Now let's look at the text. Uh, we're gonna—it's it's a long one, so I'm breaking it up in, in pieces. But uh, just to set the stage, last week we talked about courage. God says, "Be strong and courageous, Israelites. You're gonna go into the land of Canaan, and you're gonna you're gonna possess the land." And uh, before they do, here in Joshua 2, they're gonna do some reconnaissance. And so here let's pick it up in the text. Joshua Noon's son secretly sent two men as spies. From Shittim, he said, "Go look over the land, especially Jericho." They set out and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab. They bedded down there. Not sure what that means. Bible doesn't say. Some someone told the king of Jericho, "Men from the Israelites have come here tonight to spy on the land." So the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, the prostitute, send out the men who came to you, the ones who came to your house, because they have come to spy on all of us here in Jericho. A couple of things. Jericho, uh, the name Jericho derives from Yarik, which is the, the, the moon god uh, that was the patron god of the city. Jer- uh, Jericho is the, one of, if not the lowest uh, cities in, in, in the world, even today it's in uh, modern-day Palestine. On the east bank of uh, Israel. And it, uh, because it was so low, it was very close to um, a lot of water underneath the ground. And so it was a very fertile area in, in, in the land. And they worshiped the moon god Yarik. Yarik uh, was famous. He, there, we have an ancient poem where it uh, talks about his marriage uh, to the sun goddess and how when the moon and the sun uh, got together and had sex, that that would cause the rain to fall and and make uh, the land fertile. As a result, we strongly suspect that uh, Jericho was the site of a um, a sex cult, uh, a fertility cult, and it's very possible that Rahab the prostitute uh, was part of that. It's very possible that she was a ritual um, priestess. Uh, It's not necessary. We don't know for sure, but it would make sense. Um, and it's very odd because Rahab, the prostitute, is going to be our hero in the story. Uh, this is not common. Most of our stories don't start out with, uh, with with working girls as as heroes, and yet yet it's going to happen. One of the reasons uh, that this is probably the case is because uh, prostitution in uh, all of human history has been the resort, the last resort of women who cannot provide. Um. We know uh, from the end of this text, you'll see it, that Rahab is the earner for her uh, father, mother, brother, sister, and their children. Um, There's no one else making money, and so Rahab has to do it. Uh, Similar to, if you recall, Les Miserables, um, the the play, and then the the movie that came out in 2012, Anne Hathaway's character Fantine, she was a factory worker, she uh, lost her source of income. And as a result, she begins selling her body in order to make ends. If you can say one thing about the Bible, it's pretty real about humanity. And the reason, I think, I mean, because look, the spies, they could have gone anywhere. We don't, I, I don't think that they um, had sex with her or if she was a madam with her other uh, girls. Uh, I don't think that's what, what happened. I don't think that's why they went there. They probably went to her place because it was a place where gossip happens. Lots of people were drinking. And so they didn't have loose lips. Um, but why is it so important to God to bring up Rahab the prostitute uh, as a hero? Well, it turns out that God has a soft spot for people on the edge. God has a... God's always looking. Where there's the, the image uh, many times in the Old Testament of God kind of peering down and looking. And God's always looking for somebody who is on the edge. Who's been, who's been kicked out of polite society. Somebody who um, has been marginalized by an oppressive system. Or, or sometimes their own choices or a combination of, two, of the two. God's always looking for that person. Because God is a God of redemption. The Israelites are only here because they were slaves. They were the lowest of the low. And God liberated them from slavery. And God's still looking for people who are at the bottom Maybe some of us today feel like maybe in some way, uh, based on some characteristics that we have or some choices that we've made in the past or um, some things that we uh, think about or obsess about, because, because of these things, we might feel like we're on the outside. We might feel like we're on the margins. We might feel in some cases like, I don't belong here in a church. All the people around me are holy and I'm not. The first thing I can tell you is they're not that holy. Some of them are. But even the best of us have dark things inside. And the second thing that I can tell you is that God likes nothing more than a comeback. God likes nothing more than finding that person and wrapping his arms of love around them and bringing them and making them the hero of the story. Let's see how, let's see, uh, how that happens. Uh, the first thing in your notes, know, God's always looking for marginalized people who crave redemption. How does he do it? Let's go on in the text. Uh, the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, so she's hidden the spies, so uh, she lies to the, the king. She says, Of course the men came to me, but I didn't know where they were from. The men left. It was time to close the gate at dark. I don't know where they went. Hurry, chase them. You might catch up with them. But secretly, she had taken them up to the roof. Uh, in the ancient world, especially in the near, uh, ancient Near East, all roofs were flat. Um, so and it probably would have had some, it'd be an easy place to hide. She'd taken them to the room, hidden them under the stalks that she had laid out on the roof. The men from Jericho chased after them in the direction of the Jordan up to the fords. That's the river they just crossed. The Israelites are about to cross. As soon as those chasing them went out, the gate was shut behind them. Now some of you, I mean, I don't know how you feel about lying. But I, I think it's generally a bad thing. Um, my kids lie to me a lot to get the things that they want. And I get upset about that. Sometimes I feel like I'm surrounded um, in this culture by lies. You heard about the, uh, the, it's Pride Month. You remember that it's Pride Month, the LGBTQIA plus community. I don't know if it's really a community, more it seems more like a loosely affiliated association. But this month is the month when um, all the countries in the West uh, celebrate um, lesbian, gay, bi, trans, queer, intersex, asexual people, and others. It was a big deal this uh, week because the Tampa Bay Rays wanted to, um, wanted to celebrate pride. And so uh, they, they had these little pride um, things that they wanted the players for. Some of the players objected to this. And they, they had a statement. They said, as Christians, we're not um, super on board for pride. We're not against these people. We love them. Um, But we feel as though Jesus is is calling us to a different way. And and, and regardless, uh, we just don't know that we want to celebrate something that we think maybe is not the way things are meant to be. They were called bigots by some. I have a friend. He works at a, he's a he's an executive in a major corporation, and periodically, uh, his he's required to do what's called like a diversity, um, equity, and inclusion seminars. And during these seminars, uh, people will come in from historically marginalized uh, groups based on sex, gender, sometimes uh, race, and. He'll be told, this is what you need to, to celebrate or think about. This is how you need to check your privilege. Uh, these types of things. And personally, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a giver at his church, big giver, um, has a lot of kids. And uh, he, he personally doesn't agree with all of the things that are, that are promoted. Um, it's a matter of conscience for him. But he found out very quickly that if you don't go along... Right? or you don't. You, if you make an, an objection, you can um, be kind of marginalized in your company. Uh, you, you, you may not get promoted. Sometimes you get fired. Um, and so he's made a practice of lying. He uh, he just he goes into these things and he just lies. He says I'm for whatever you're talking about um, because I think it's you know because he's like I gotta I gotta protect my family. I gotta protect my church. I don't want. Um, people to get hurt over something that ultimately he doesn't believe is um, the biggest deal in the world. Now, however you fall on LGBTQIA plus issues, however you feel about Pride Month, however you feel about um, the historical treatment of BIPOC people uh, and black indigenous people of color in this country, whatever you think about all that, there is a theme that goes throughout Scripture, and it is this. Whenever it looks like God's people are going to be persecuted by a system, like, like corrupt leaders or leadership, government, stuff like that, it's okay to lie to protect God's people. In fact, it might even be something that's praiseworthy. Now this is a little, maybe this is controversial for you, maybe it's not, but the the, the Bible does seem to have a very special uh, place in the heart for for those who have some power, who can protect those who don't by lying. Now, there are some youth here, Esteban. This does not mean that you can tell Josh and Leah that you're going to movies with your friends so that you can hang out with your girlfriend and be naughty, okay? This is not that. No girlfriend? Oh, they broke up. Sorry, man. I'm a little late to the party on that one. (laughs) The point is you can't just lie about whatever you want, okay? That's the point. (laughs) <laughs> but, if you are ever in a position where the Nazis are like, hey, are you hiding any Jews up there? You can be like, nope. And I think God's going to be okay with that. Uh, that's the first thing, or, you know, or second thing. Bible seems to approve of lies that protect God's people from corrupt powers. If you find yourself in a situation where you have the ability to protect people in the church or your family, it's okay um, to, to not be honest with um, the powers that be. But, notice... That the hero of our story is a prostitute, and now her heroic action is lying. Okay, let's keep going. Let's see what else she can do. Uh, Before the spies bedded down, Rahab went up to them on the roof. She said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Terror over you has overwhelmed us. The entire population of the land has melted down in fear because of you. Why is Jericho so scared? Well, we've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Reed or Red Sea in front of you when you left Egypt. We've also heard what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites. On the other side of the Jordan, it was a a battle where the Israelites just wiped them out. Uh, you, You utterly wiped them out. We heard this and our hearts turned to water. Because of you, people can no longer work up their courage. This is because the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Notice what she thinks, right? So she's supposed to worship Yarek, the moon god, um, possibly through sexual acts. But what she finds out, she she finds out that there's a god above Yarek, a more powerful god, Yahweh, the god of Israel. I have a, uh, in our household, we have a big problem. It's an interminable problem. The problem is laundry. I have a little meme here about laundry. There's another one I almost put it, It's like 30 minutes to wash the clothes, 60 minutes to dry them. Folding? 7 to 10 business days? I mean... It's horrible. I don't know if you've ever done this, uh, but I've I've folded a lot of clothes over the years, and I hate it. And I'm, Air Bear, I'm sorry, I'm throwing you under the bus. Air Bear hates it too. <laughs> Nobody in our household likes to do this. Uh, however, occasionally, occasionally, Aaron and I will be like folding laundry, and Olivia will walk in and start helping us. Like whoa. This is great. This is why you're supposed to have children, to get things done around the house for you. This is awesome. We're winning. And then uh, maybe maybe she can guilt Alice into helping out. Soren does help, but that's mostly him just throwing stuff around because he's three. But then, so we'll finish folding the laundry. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. We're, the laundry is done for the week. <laughs> it took us a long time, but we did it. And then, and then Olivia runs over, and she starts like cleaning the dishes? what Uh, the other night she she was like are are the dishes clean and we're like "I, I was like I have no idea so she looked in there they weren't clean so she went and she got the thing and she started the dishwasher all on her own just out of the goodness of her heart and I was like Olivia this is really awesome thanks for helping me and mommy so much like you know this is really sweet she's like can we have a dog I was like, what? Well, see, she, she had been promised if she scored three goals in a, in a game, then we would get a dog. Aaron's trying to turn her into a professional soccer player. Whatever. She got two. <clears throat> then she got a third, but it got called back on a technicality. And so, and then, and the, but later in the day, Alice scored a goal. And so the two of them come in. they're like, we got three together. So you owe us a dog. Dogs are expensive, unless you get, like, the, the ones that they're going to kill at the pound. Not good enough for our family. Oh my gosh. Only pure bloods So Olivia's been on a campaign over the last several weeks to get Aaron and me to break down and get the dog of her dreams. Now, does that make it... I mean, is that so? Obviously, when she was helping us out, it was mercenary, she wasn't doing it for us, she did it for her. But I gotta tell you, I'm really glad she did. I'm happy that she had tried to manipulate us into buying her a dog because it helped get the clothes done and it helped get the, the dishes done. That was a good thing. Did you notice that Rahab the prostitute is a total opportunist? She's like. Why is she why is she helping these spies? Not because of the goodness of her heart. She's terrified they're going to kill her. She's terrified that Israel's going to come in and wipe out Jericho and she's like, "When that happens, I need somebody to take my side." And so she sees these two spies and she's like, "This is my ticket." Prostitute, liar, opportunist. What a hero. But there's something about this story that tells us something about God, right? God God gets it. God understands that not all of our motives are pure. God understands that we're human beings and that life is hard. And God recognizes that we don't always come to him with, you know, like, just, I'm here to praise you because you're the best. God understands that sometimes we come Because we need something from God. God understands that sometimes we're scared. Sometimes we're beat down and we need help. And God is like, that's awesome. I don't care how you got here. I just want you to come to me. If you do that, you'll see I can do amazing things with you. He understands we don't always come with pure motives, but we should still come. Just because you're not perfect, just because you've got ulterior motives, doesn't mean you don't go to God with those things. It's on God to figure that out. You're just you. Do I want us all to have pure motives and just be like, we're doing this because God is the best? Yes. But I'd rather have us, God, would rather have you come under any circumstance then not come at all. With all of this, we have to kind of wonder at this point, what, what, why is there this story about this, this uh, person with less than stellar um, history of sex, who's clearly a liar, who's clearly an opportunist? Why is this person a hero? What could possibly explain that? And I think we see it at the end of Rahab's story. Let's look at it together. Now, I have been loyal to you, she says to the spies. So pledge to me by Yahweh, the Lord, that's Yahweh. She's like, pledge to me by your God. That you will in turn deal loyally with my family. Give me a sign of good faith. Spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, along with everything they own. Rescue us from death. The spies reply, we swear by our own lives to secure yours. If you don't reveal our mission, we will deal loyally and faithfully with you when the Lord gives us the land. It's, uh, it's hard for us to see because uh, we're, we're stuck with English, but the word that's behind loyal and loyalty and loyally um, is uh, it's chesed. It's the Hebrew word for, well, if you remember, remember John in 1 John 4 says God is what? Really, we don't know that? Love. Love. Right? God is love. Well, John's writing in Greek, but he's a Jewish man. And so he's trying to come up with a way to translate into Greek, love, uh, agape, love, the idea of what God's core, central, true, most basic, essential characteristic is. Yes, God is he's all-powerful, all-knowing, all the things— uh, God's everywhere. God does. There's lots of different attributes we can apply to God. But biblically speaking, the very core of God's heart, the, the inside, innermost uh, expression of God's being is this word, chesed. And it's translated here loyal, but it means something like loyal, committed, never relenting, endless love. This woman is a prostitute, she's a liar, she's an opportunist but when faced with the spies, she says I have had chesed for you Asa I have treated you with loyal, committed relentless love and when the spies hear that, when God sees that, what they recognize is that this woman, for all of her checkered past has in her heart of hearts, the very core of God's own heart that despite the fact that she spent all these years worshiping Yarak and doing these things, that who she is in, the, in her innermost being is, is just, it's a, it's a mirror image of Yahweh, the God of Israel, the Lord of heaven and earth. And so they tell her, they said, we're going to treat you, Asa Chesed, again, they repeat her words, they add the word faithfully to really emphasize, we are we are going to treat you with a kind of incredible commitment, a kind of dedication, a kind of of loyalty that, that cannot be shaken, cannot be broken by anything. Because that's what God did for Israel. God chose us, covenanted with us, and said, I will never quit on you. I will never run from you. I will never stop loving you. I will never stop redeeming you. I will never, ever, 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 ever quit on you. And when they see that characteristic, the heart of Yahweh, in this woman, they promise that she'll be spared. As I said at the beginning, um, commitment, loyalty, relentless, unquitting, unrunning love is in short supply, and part of that is because we're human beings, and it's like it's really, really hard for us to to be that, to do that. But it's really clear from Scripture that that is what God's deepest desire is for us. God's deepest desire is not that we come to him perfect. It's not that we stop making mistakes. It's not that we become righteous or you know, we look good uh, to the people outside or the people inside the church. That's not the core of what God is calling and asking of us. Instead, what God desires, deepest desire, is for us to respond to God with the same relentless committing, committed love that he showed us first. And you may wonder what happens to Rahab. Well, we don't have all the details, but we know this. Um, in the in the the genealogy of Jesus' ancestors in Matthew, in Matthew one, at the beginning, Matthew tells about all of Jesus' ancestors um, from Israel, right? Because Jesus is the he's the, the the Davidic king, and so he has to he has to have come from the, the the best of Israel's stock. Yes, he's he's related to you know Abraham and David and all the important characters. He's also interestingly related. And by the way, this is all men, right? So all these because that's A little bit patriarchal, but that's who they name. is like Abraham and Boaz and this and that. All dudes. At one point, though, they say Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And so we don't know how it happened, but apparently um, the the Israelites were faithful to Rahab just as she had been faithful to them, and and they rescued her out of uh, prostitution. They they brought her in to the community. She uh, she made a commitment to Yahweh, so she became <clears throat> excuse me she became a Jewish. Being Jewish uh, or being a, a person of God at that time was all about just commitment to, to, to Yahweh. No, nothing nothing ethnic about it. And so she did that, and somehow uh, her family got together, and she uh, married, and she had children, and 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 God God, God selected her because of her checkered past, because she wasn't everything that we're supposed to be in the world's eyes, and selected her not only to save Israel and save those spies and help with the conquering of the land, but also to become a part of the lineage of the Savior of the world. that's what happens when you respond to God with deeply committed, unshaking, relentless, loyal love. Wherever you are in life, whatever's happened in the past, whatever has has stricken you, whatever has broken you, um, those things can be redeemed. And not only can those things be redeemed, but then based on that that commitment— uh, God can then move you and 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 lift you up into a life that you never dreamed. That you could be a part of of salvation, of 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 bringing about uh, God's plan for the world. That you can go from there and end up here. Don't mishear me. There's no. There's no, This is not about uh, getting to heaven. Okay, uh, that's by faith alone, um, through grace alone but it is the way that that God is selecting, looking for the types of people that he's gonna use to change the world. And so he chose a lying opportunist prostitute to become the great, 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 great grandmother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Imagine what he can do with you Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we, we praise you for the story of Rahab the prostitute. We praise you that a woman of little means, of little renown, who wasn't perfect, that you would reveal in her your own heart relentless committed love God I pray that all of us here will nurture in our hearts that desire to be committed to you no matter what loyal that we would respond to your relentless committed love for us with relentless committed love for you and God, as we seek and thirst for you, as we, as we cling to you and, and follow you and, and tread after you, God, may, may you transform us and turn us into the people that you use to change the world. And may the world see that the love that it talks about is a fake love. It's, it's, it's degraded. But that real love is your love. Never quits. Never surrenders. Never gives up. Jesus, we pray in your name because you were the one who showed us the extent to which that love goes for us. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for redemption. We thank you for the new future that you provide us in your spirit. In your name we pray, amen.